We are downtown. We are historic. We are family. We are scriptural. We are First Baptist Church. Nebuchadnezzar stood at his palace window overlooking his city, Babylon. Its streets bustled with activity with people from every nation. He saw Egyptians and Assyrians and Hebrews, and some were there by choice, reaping the benefits of a strong and growing empire. Where else would anyone want to be, he thought. Others were there against their will. The Hebrews in particular were a bull-headed people, admirable, useful, but infuriating. His jaws clenched, pulsed. There was always tension. Most of his time spent suppressing or appeasing one group of people or another, especially on the fringes of his empire where his name and strength was weakest. He didn't mind diplomacy, only that it took so long. Fear and violence was far more expedient, but even those efforts did not command the devotion he demanded. His eyes turned from the streets to beyond the walls of the city to the plains of Dura, and there stood a marvel. He gazed upon the statue's perfection, 90 feet high and 9 feet wide, a tall, slender, colossal, plated in pure gold. Not just the head, but its whole body, gold. Closing his eyes, images of a different statue flashed in his mind, gold, silver, bronze, iron. No, 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 my kingdom will not fall. He had a plan. O king, live forever. Startled, he turned. With head bowed, they've all arrived. Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, declared to the king, Ready my procession. Today is dedication day. Shadrach watched as the king's procession snaked like a viper, slowly inching its way to its naive prey. Nothing could come of this, he thought, nothing good. And grabbing the hands of Meshach and Abednego to his left and right, being members of the local government, they had heard rumblings. The statue was unavoidable, but its purpose almost more so. What better way to bind people from every nation together than to worship a common God? And the king took the platform, and with one gesture, a sea of people, with the governing officials closest to the pedestal, roared, O king, live forever! O king, live forever! Shadrach watched Nebuchadnezzar, pleased, full, feeling as tall and mighty as the monstrosity that he had created. And then the herald stood just below the king. O king, live forever. And O king, live forever, they replied. What better way to display the blessings of your king than this golden statue with the face of a god, your god? The roar was deafening. And the herald motioned for silence. O people of every nation and language, hear the king's decree. When you hear this music, and with that horns and strings and every kind of music erupted, then abruptly silenced. When you hear this music, you must bow down wherever you are in the city or outside the city. You must bow down facing this glorious statue that your king has built. And if you do not, you will be thrown in the very same kiln we used to fire the bricks of which this pedestal was built. There was silence for a moment. 
And then once again, the sea of people roared with approval. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego clasped each other's hands and remained silent. And with that, the music played. Without hesitation, everyone went to their knees, young and old alike, some taking longer than others because of their age, all of their faces to the ground, bowing before this golden statue. All save three. In the midst of the sea, they stood, hands clasped and eyes to heaven. Maybe no one saw them, Shadrach thought, but he did not believe his own thinking. Is it true, the words unsheathed like iron from a scabbard from the king's lips? Shadrach was only surprised it had taken so long, a few days, a few blasts of the music from the horns and strings. Faithful defiance of the king's decree, many did see. To a few it mattered, most turned a blind eye. They were friends, but not the Chaldean enchanters, still nursing their egos after Daniel had requested their promotion beyond theirs. He knew who had reported their disobedience, and now they stood together with the king, a rash and turbulent man. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is it true that you do not serve my gods or bow down to the statue that I built like a simmering pot close to boil? O king, live forever. It is true You must be the judge whether we ought to obey you or obey our God. These Hebrews and their God, the king thought. I will give you one more chance to bow. I have no desire to execute you for your disobedience. And the three looked at each other with deep assurance. A faith and peace that seems to make no sense to others, that surpasses all understanding, and they continued. O king, live forever. We can give you our answer now. We will never bow to the statue of your God. The king glared, his teeth clenched, his breath becoming more shallow in shock. No one speaks to the king this way. No one, no one. I am Nebuchadnezzar, he thought to himself. Then what God will deliver you from my hand, he roared. Shadrach need not scream. With an otherworldly calm, he replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, our God is our deliverer. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will deliver us from your fiery furnace. But even if he choose not deliver us today, even then we will not bow to your God or any other God. I like the Danny Standard version. Did you, did you hear how the Danny Standard version described King Nebuchadnezzar? As he described the king, then he said he's like a simmering pot close to boil. I love that, Danny. Well done. Because Nebuchadnezzar 
was about to blow his top. He was so angry at these three. And he was so angry at these three because King Nebuchadnezzar is used to always getting exactly what he wanted. Whatever he expected, that is what happened. In his life, in his kingdom, he was in charge, in control, and that is what was going to happen. Everyone listened. The whole kingdom fell in line when King Nebuchadnezzar said so. And here is King Nebuchadnezzar faced with a situation that he rarely, if ever, had to face. Things were not going according to plan. And King Nebuchadnezzar was not used to things not going according to plan. They weren't, they didn't, it wasn't as it was supposed to be. And the anger boiled over. And as the anger boiled over, he was going to take it out on whoever spoiled his day. You know, we are living in interesting times in a coronavirus quarantine with all of us forced into a similar predicament. Our plans have been completely spoiled. Now, I'm not aware of any of us building a 90-foot statue to ourselves of ourselves, but all of us had big plans this spring. We had plans at work, we had big plans with our family, and they have been completely ruined. The natural reaction in those moments is to explode like Nebuchadnezzar exploded. If we don't get our way, we're going to let people have it. And the strongest willed of us may even let God have it. God, how could you let this happen to me of all people? And all of that comes from a deep-seated arrogance. Now, from the king, that arrogance is obvious. He was so arrogant, he told all of the people around him, the whole known world, to literally bow down to a statue of himself and worship himself. But don't sell yourself short. Our arrogance reaches its own peak. You know, we can find ourselves in the same ballpark when we forget that life itself is a blessing of God. In that forgetting, we are in that ballpark. When we start to think that this world revolves around us, or we start to think this world revolves around our plans, we are in that same ballpark. I want to call your attention to a couple of scriptures. One is James chapter 4. If you look at me, James 4, verses 13 through 15. Now, listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that city. We'll spend a year there, carry on business and make profit. He's saying all of us that have these grand plans for days and months and years at a time, listen. Listen to what the Lord God says to your plans. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that is here and then vanishes. He says, here's the wisdom of the Lord. This is what we trust. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we'll live and do this or that. But as it is, you boast and brag. You don't trust the Lord's will. You don't trust the Lord handling tomorrow. And, and listen at the end of verse 16. As it is, you boast and brag. And all such boasting is evil. 
Now, there's a similar text if we turn over to, to Matthew chapter 6. And, and Matthew chapter 6 is a perfect word for today. So as we look at the end of that chapter in 31 through 34, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Don't worry about what's in H-E-B this week. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. And verse 32, for the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. The promise of God is that he's going to provide for you every single day the daily bread that you need. God knows your needs, and he's going to take care of you through all of it. He's going to take care of you through this. And as it continues, but seek first his kingdom. Seek first his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Our, our hope, our work, our next step is to seek after the Lord and to seek after his righteousness, and everything else will be taken care of. Don't worry about tomorrow, is verse 34. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So for today, our call today is, is literally just be obedient to the Lord. Trust God for your daily bread. Follow God wherever he's leading you today. See, God knows all about the quarantine. Jesus has been prepared for this for ages. Call on him and trust him with it. You see, God never promised us that life was going to be easy. It's kind of like with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. that They would be faced with trials. God wasn't going to remove this unbearable circumstance of the furnace, but God walked through it with them, and that is the promise of God, that there is still pain in this life, but God is going to walk with you through every moment of that pain and that distress. See, God is capable of things we cannot reason. We can't reason men walking through the fire, but God can. God can just overwhelm earth and transcend physics and fire because God is the creator of it all. And we just need to trust him with it, trust him with everything, especially tomorrow. See, if we start making our own plans for tomorrow apart from the Lord, it's growing out of a King Nebuchadnezzar-like arrogance that will topple at some point. Let us never forget that tomorrow belongs to the Lord. Our life, our death, our future belongs to Him. It doesn't belong to a virus. It doesn't belong to the governments of this world. Our hope and our future is in the hands of the Lord God above, and we will trust Him whether He delivers us or not. Danny paused there in the Danny Standard Version. And most of us know the rest of the story. If you, if you don't, read the, the second half of Daniel uh, chapter 3. But in the rest of the story, these three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, are thrown into the furnace that's been heated far beyond what was necessary. And God showed up. God did something. In fact, as that story continues to unfold, the king saw something that made him rethink everything. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego unharmed in the furnace. An angel, one like the sons of God in their midst. When the king witnessed God at work, he changed his thinking. He turned himself, and he turned the entire kingdom towards God. Now, there's little evidence that that stuck in King Nebuchadnezzar's life. But in this moment, 
In this moment where God was working and in this moment where God was moving, Nebuchadnezzar sees the work of God and he turns that glory, all of that glory that was placed on a golden statue, all of the glory that was placed on himself, and he turns that glory and he points up to heaven and says, give glory to God above, the God of Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, the God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Bow down and worship him. You know, there's a similar way that I've heard people talking about these days that we're living in. We're wondering, are, are, are we witnessing God at work here? Is God doing something in this? And, and I can surely tell you this, I am certain. In fact, I know 100% that God is using this to get our attention. Because God uses anything and everything on the face of this earth to get our attention and move that glory from ourselves for us to take our selfishness and look up to God and say, we worship you and you alone, to turn our plans over to him, to turn our bank accounts over to him. He's getting our attention no matter what this is. But, you know, I've heard people wonder, is, is this just a blip on the radar? Or is this an awakening? Is this a blip or an awakening, or, or, or is this the apocalypse? And, you know, I don't know the answer to that question. It really doesn't matter. Because there's certain things that Scripture teaches us. In fact, if, if we look at the Scripture, it doesn't matter if, if this moment of virus is a blip on the radar, if this moment of virus is an awakening, or even the apocalypse, because the word of Scripture is still the same in each and every one of those circumstances. Your response to God does not change no matter what it is. And your response to God doesn't change no matter what we face today and no matter what is in store for tomorrow. In fact, as we look through the Scriptures and we get to Acts chapter 2. It, it, it is the awakening of the church when, when Pentecost happens and the Holy Spirit descends upon the church and moves through the church like a mighty rushing wind, and Peter is preaching. And the whole church begins to, to respond to God, and they, they ask Peter, the preacher, said, Peter, what are we supposed to do? And Peter, in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, tells them exactly what they're supposed to do. The first word that he says after the sermon, and they say, what do we do, Peter? He says, repent. Repent because God is at hand. God is moving and the holiness of God has moved into this place and calling us into the fires of repentance that we might be made clean and whole. That's what's happening if it's an awakening. We're called to repentance. But even if you look towards the end of Scripture and you get to the book of Revelation, it's like, what if this is apocalyptic? Well, it doesn't matter. Jesus is telling us in, in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, he speaks to the churches, seven churches. He gives them the word for the end of time. And what is that word? What does Jesus tell them? What does Jesus call of us in the end of time? Read through Revelation 2 and 3. To five of the seven churches, Jesus says the very same thing. He calls us to repentance. He says, repent and return to me. Turn back to God. Turn away from your selfishness and step before the throne of God and kneel in humility and say, God, I am yours. Everything of mine is yours. In these days, it, it doesn't matter if God's just getting our attention with a blip on the radar or God is, is stirring a new awakening or the apocalypse is on the horizon. It doesn't matter. God is calling us back to himself. 
let us use today to turn from all of those other things we worship, even our own selves, and fall down at the feet of the Christ and say, I am yours. Fill me up with faith. Fill me up with your spirit. Do just that today. Experience the joy and the freedom of Jesus Christ. Experience the, the presence of Christ in your homes. Experience the presence of Christ across the city today because God is near and God is at work. It doesn't matter what the end game is. Our response is the same. And in fact, this is our time to do just, like, just that. How are you going to respond to God today? Now, there's a number of ways that we can do that. Maybe you need to pull out a, a sheet of paper yourself and draw an image that God is giving you. Maybe take your journals out and journal. Maybe we'll sing. We're going to give. But however God's calling you to respond, you, you may need to just fall face first on your carpet. Do just that. And let's all respond in obedience unto the Lord our God today. First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.